This morning, we're continuing our study on Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, we're going to be in this morning. As Paul makes his transition from a lot of theology, a lot of just theory, into the practical. As he does with many of his books and those letters that he writes, he starts off the beginnings of them with a lot of theology, a lot of theory, a lot of this is the way things should be. Now let's get down to the nitty gritty and talk about you. Let's talk about life. Let's talk about how you put all this that we've studied now into practice. Let's talk about how we make practical application in our everyday lives. And so today we're talking in Galatians chapter th- 5 rather about freedom. 1862, fall of 1862, Abraham Lincoln stood up and gave a famous proclamation. He declares January 1st, 1863, all the slaves would be free. And he directs all the federal government, all the resources at his disposal, the army, uh, all those agencies that they were all to now begin supporting and encouraging the freedom of the slaves here in America. 1,830 some odd years before that, another proclamation was made by Christ as he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. Our emancipation proclamation Our Emancipation Proclamation, he says, it is finished. Now go and live free from the penalty and the burden of sin upon your own life. And yet so many times we as believers, we understand that objectively. We understand what he said there. We understand how we should be living. Yet we still continually put ourselves back under the yoke of slavery, Paul talks about. We're only reading one verse today. Just chat, just verse 1. He's, Paul says, so many times you put yourself back under the yoke of slavery. You put yourselves back under the control of sin. You let it control you and can completely dominate you because we are selfish, because we want our own way. And Jesus declared, it is finished, letting us know that we don't have to live that way. We no longer have to live under the penalty and the, and the burden and the domination of sin in our own lives. We are free to live under the the guiding and the leading of the Holy Spirit, to live holy lives that are honoring to God, that are glorifying God in everything that we do and everything that we say. That is our goal, is to grow in our faith, to grow as believers, so that there's more of Jesus showing than there is of me. So there's more of Jesus popping out than there is of me popping out. I want it so that when people poke me, when they come up to me and then they they touch me or they speak to me, it's more Jesus' words popping out than David's words. When we were in North Korea, I remember a story, I remember one of our guides telling us, he said, you know, you Christians are funny. All you got to do is poke a Christian and Jesus pops out. Our North Korean escort, only thing he had to, he never read a copy of God's word, He'd never heard a sermon in his life, but yet the only thing he'd been able to witness is other believers, other Christians coming in and out of that country, sharing the love of Christ, being the love of Christ, being the hands and feet of Jesus. So when he would talk to them, Jesus was just natural. Whether it was praying over a meal, praying in our hotel rooms as they listened in through the little microphones in our hotel rooms, 
They knew who we were. They knew what we were talking about. And as they talked to us, Jesus was just a natural outflow of our conversation. Matthew 5.16 says this. Let your light so shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. As we live our lives in freedom, as we embrace this idea that sin no longer has control, should have control over us, our lives ought to be lived in such a way that all those around us, the community of people around us, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, see Jesus more than they see us. I got news yesterday that my uncle, he's been struggling with cancer treatments for about 10 years, and I've kept it in control. And my dad emailed me yesterday and said, it's come back. It's come back. And my uncle refuses to hear the truth of the gospel. He refuses to hear about Jesus. He got turned off from it years ago. Some stuff happened in his life. And we've tried sharing, we've tried sharing, we've tried talking, we've prayed for him. And he refuses. And my dad says, Ken, eternity is a long time to be wrong. See, the sin that we have in our lives, it's, it's, it's what is going to keep us from heaven. And Jesus came and said, I'm come, I've come to set you free from that, from the penalty of sin, from the burden, from the domination of sin in our own lives. Galatians has been called the Magna Carta of Christian liberty in that in 1215, the king of England was kind of coerced and forced to sign the document, the Magna Carta, to give freedoms, to to instill a parliament so that his powers were reduced, so that he could no longer do certain things to the population, that the people now had a little more power and their nobles had more power. Well, Galatians is our Magna Carta. It shares with us the freedoms we have in Christ. And verse 1 is one of the keyest verses. You like that word? Keyest verses in this book. Read with me. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Paul is writing here in this transition, talking about how our lives should be lived free from sin. Can anybody this morning say that you live a life free from sin? All of our hands ought to be down, right? None of us live a life free from sin. We all sin every single day. Because it's kind of like we've been declared free, right? We've been declared sinless. God, if we've received Christ as our Lord and Savior, God says you are free from sin, the penalty of sin. And yet we still walk around in our old jail clothes. The door's open. We can walk out of prison, but yet we still walk around in our jail clothes because we, we seem to enjoy it. God says, you're free. Take off those clothes. Live in freedom. Live in exaltation. Adore life that I've given you. And yet we still like to wear those clothes around us. In chapter 1 and 2 of Galatians, as we studied earlier, 
Talking about faith is a necessary part of this relationship with God. Faith is a necessary part, not just a nicety, not just a thing we can put on from time to time. It's not like going and picking out a car and saying, well, I like this, I'd like this on a car, I'd like this on a car, I'd like these kind of wheels, I'd like this sunroof, I'd like this kind of radio, I'd like these colors. You can't pick and choose with our faith. You embrace it all. When you come to Christ, you embrace Christ and you embrace that faith so that we can live a life of freedom. In, verses, in chapter 3, he calls out the Galatian church for living as slaves and not as sons. He says, why are you putting yourself back under the yoke of slavery? You've received Christ, great. But these others came along and said, Jesus is good, but you also need this. Jesus is good, but you also need this. Jesus is good, but you also need circumcision and, the, and all the festivals. And all, you've got to do all these other things on the side as well. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus only. Is what Paul is saying. Why put yourself back into the bondage of slavery? Chapter 4, we talked about we are children of the promise. And looking at Ishmael and Isaac, and how Isaac, yes, both of them came from the loins of Abraham, but Isaac was the child of promise. We as the church, we are those of promise. God has said, come along and said, you are my children. I embrace you. Come alongside and live with me in freedom. Don't put yourselves back any longer into the bondage of slavery. He says in chapter 5 here, you're free. Live like it. Embrace it. Claim it. Don't go back again into what you were before. See, as Christians, we are to live lives that are holy, set apart, letting the love of Christ be evident in us in everything that we do and say. Verse 13 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. When, when Christ died for us, He didn't just die because He felt like it. He didn't just die because, oh, I love them and I want them, I want to have them. such. He died so that we could be free. You realize that? He gave up his freedom on the cross so that we could live free. Free from the penalty. Free from the burden of sin. Free from all the domination and the bondage that we want to live, our, live under ourselves. Jesus said, I came to make you free. Live it. Live it. Push aside that sin. That so easily entangles. Set aside those attitudes that are not honoring to God. Set aside the language that is not pleasing to God. Set aside those things and live in freedom. So what does that look like then? What does it look like to experience that freedom from God? That's what we're going to kind of center on this morning. What does it look like to experience that freedom from God? Imagine the Israelites for a minute. We all know the story of Exodus. Moses came and he said, Pharaoh, let my people go. No. Let my people go. No. Okay, you're going to have this plague and this plague and this plague and this plague. And eventually after 10 plagues, Pharaoh says, okay, you can go. And God removes them from Egypt. Was the important thing them being removed from Egypt or what they were being, what they had been trapped into? For 400 years, the Israelites have been in Egypt. And under that Pharaoh, they had become slaves. They were being forced to work against their will, not even given the tools and the supplies they needed. They were crying out to God, God, free us, God, free us, God, free us. 
And God says, he steps down, he sends Moses. He frees them, not just from the physical location of Egypt, but he frees them from the slavery that they were under. They go to promised land where they can now live free. Outside the slavery of Egypt. And yet what did the Israelites do? They put themselves back under slavery to sin. All these false gods that are there. John 8.36 says this, If the Son sets you free, you really will be free. Jesus has freed you. Jesus has freed me. Jesus has freed us all from sin. And if He said it, He means it. We really can live free from that lifestyle. We really can live free to live and let Christ reign in our lives. J.D. Greer says this, says, The gospel is not awesome unless you see the awfulness of your previous condition. Remember back to what life was like before Christ, before you received Christ. Remember back to the lifestyle you lived, not out of necessarily choice, but out of just habit. It was your nature to sin. It was just what you did. I have a dog, and it's, it's got a nature about itself, and we let her out, and she likes to go and just roam, and she likes to get into stuff and do her own thing. Is she trained that way? No, we trained her to behave. I trained her to sit. She's not a very good dog. She reverts back to her natural instinct. Anybody who's watched our dog goes, that's not a good dog. She drives us nuts. It's her natural instinct. We try to overcome that natural instinct, and it comes right back again. We try to train her. We give her treats. Come on. Here's a little treat. If you do the right thing, we'll give you this treat. She eats the treat and goes off and does her own thing. Kind of like having kids. Uh, I don't know where I got that. If you remember back to the life we lived before, the gospel is not awesome unless we remember the awfulness of our previous condition, stuck in sin. See, I'm so thankful that God saved me. Not just because I remember, not just because I need heaven, but because I knew what, I remember what life was like before that. And I was only seven years old when I, got, I became a Christian. I remember living a life that oh, I wasn't into all kinds of drugs and alcohol and sex and women and blah, blah. I was seven years old. But I remember life before Jesus. And I remember my life after Jesus. I am so thankful that God saved me from what could have happened in my life too. He gave me the power to overcome. He gave me the power to say no when sin was out there, when it was presented right before me all through school, middle school, high school, college. When it was presented before me, I had the power then to say no because I serve God. I love God and I do not want to dishonor my God by doing certain things. Understand what Christ has done to us so that we can adore Him and not return back into that life of slavery again. Understand that as believers, we are freed objectively, legally, from the guilt of sin, but subjectively, we struggle with it every day. We struggle with this daily grip of sin in our life. It's like that picture I gave you earlier. The judge has declared us free. We can walk out of the jailhouse, but yet we're still wearing 
our jailhouse clothes. Why do we do that? Why do I do that? Why do I embrace and live with that in such a way? Romans 8.1 says this, Objectively, therefore, is there's no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus because the Spirit's law of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are free from sin, from the guilt of sin. It no longer has any power over you that you do not give it. That you do not give it. We are called to live holy lives. We're called to live lives that are set apart from what the world says is okay to live. We are called to live a life that is different and objectively, God says, you are free. You, are, you no longer have any penalty. You've been justified. When God looks at me, he doesn't see former sinner. He sees somebody who's never sinned. Think about that for a minute in your own life. Now, we all remember what we, things we've done. We all know the sins we committed even this week, right? And yet when God sees us, when he sees me, he says, I don't see that. I see the holiness of Jesus. I see the righteousness of Jesus. I see the perfection of Jesus in me, in you. But yet, subjectively, we need to learn how to live free from the power of sin because we like those jailhouse clothes every single day. Theologian Gerhard Ford said this, sanctification In other words, becoming more and more holy in our lives every single day, becoming more and more Christ-like every single day, is simply this art of getting used to justification, to embracing and understanding that we have been set free. It's getting used to that idea when we want to live in our, our, God, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, God, I'm just a worm. Yes, we are worms before God. But he says, I love you, worm, you are free. Live that way. Embrace the freedom, embrace the holiness, embrace the perfection that I want to give you so you can live a life that is honoring to me. That's what sanctification is. As you become more and more holy, you become more and more like Jesus, it's really just beginning to accept what God has already declared about us. It's beginning to live in a way that God, as God has already declared. It's not hard. It's just embracing what God has already said. Martin Lloyd-Jones, theologian, said this. Imagine you were a slave in the southern United States before the Emancipation Proclamation. That means you couldn't vote. You had no power. Somebody could beat you up and probably would. You didn't have any rights. And so you were in a town when some white person told you to do something. You did it. You did anything they said. Now, 10 years later, after the Emancipation Proclamation, you have rights. You walk into town and a white person starts to yell at you. Even though you know in your head, hey, I got rights here, we're still scared and begin continue acting as if we had none.
if we know in our if we know in our hearts that objectively we are free from sin, why do we go back any longer? Paul gives us some instructions here in verse 1. He says, stand firm. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't submit. Every time we fall back into sin, we're submitting to sin. See, all throughout our life, we're going to submit to one thing or another. We're always going to be in submission to one thing or another. You're either going to be in submission to God, you're going to be in submission to His leading, to the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, or we're going to be in submission to myself and my sinful nature. That's clinging on and hanging on and saying, I need you, I need you, don't get, don't get rid of me, don't take me off. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Slavery is embraced sin. Slavery to embrace sin in our lives keeps us from enjoying freedom and position in Christ. The longer we allow sins in our lives to we keep giving in, the longer it takes us to embrace the freedoms that God has for us. See, the gospel frees us from condemnation, both objectively and subjectively. The gospel frees us from that condemnation so that we can live life with a clear mind, with a mind that is just like, God, I love you. I embrace you. I adore you. Modern-day thinking is this, that, well, if we teach people they can live free, that they don't have to worry about it, they'll just embrace easy believism. If we can say you don't have to worry about the sin in your life any longer, just believe in Jesus and then live free that people are just going to say, well, that's good. I got fire insurance. I no longer have to worry about it. But see, the opposite is actually true. Once we embrace Jesus, once we embrace what Jesus has done for us, we no longer want to sin because we adore the one who saved us from our sins. And that adoration for God keeps us from the sin in our own lives. The adoration for what God has done leads us into a holy life, not a sinful life. We desire no longer to live for myself. I don't want to live the way I want to live. I want to live the way that honors God and to live for him and make him the ruler and king of my life. We sang about it earlier. The king of my heart is Jesus. The king of my heart is God. When the king of my heart is me, I fall back into sin. When the king of my heart is my wife, I'm now trying to please her before I'm trying to please God. When the king of my heart is success, I'm now doing everything I can to get ahead of my job. When the king of my heart is my checkbook, I'm now working overtime and extra hours and doing whatever I can just to make the buck because that's what my king is. When the king of our hearts is God, When the king of our hearts is Christ, we desire to live a holy, pleasing life to God. And all those other things that we think are so important also all of a sudden lose their value. They lose their sense of importance in our lives. We put them in perspective. Because we honor God, we adore him and want to follow him. We desire to follow him. During the Civil War, Days before America's slaves were freed and about to be 
There's a story about a northerner who went to a slave auction. In my hometown of Charleston, South Carolina, this top right picture, this is an old slave market. This is one down here is from St. Augustine, Florida. They would bring the slaves there to the market house, marketplace, and they would auction them off. The slaves had no freedom. So the story goes that one time this man came to one of these marketplaces and he purchased a young girl. And he turned around to the girl. And he told her, she said, you're free. In amazement, she responded, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want? Yes, he said. And, and say whatever I want to say? Yep, anything. And be whatever I want to be? And go wherever I want to go? Yes, you're free to go wherever you like. She said, then I choose to follow you. That's what Jesus did for us. He says, I have freed you from sin. You can live however you want. You are guiltless before my eyes. You're going to go to heaven, but I'm giving you the freedom to live your life in this world. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. You can go anywhere you want. And yet, that should, for us, like this young girl, say, then I choose to follow you. Because we know the freedom where God has called us from. We remember where God has taken us from. And we know the sinfulness of my heart that is just there on the other side. And God has freed me from that. God has freed us through his atoning work. It's his glorious freedom. His freedom should lead us to rest in him, rejoice in him. His freedom should cause us to do what he wants us to do. And that's not to submit, again, to a yoke of slavery. 